Today, we are going to be wrapping up a sermon series, a message that we started three weeks ago, titled, Relationships Rule. Y'all say that with me. Relationships Rule. Say it really cool. Relationships Rule. Right? Relationships Rule. We've been talking about relationships. Y'all know we need good, healthy relationships. We need a lot of relationships to get to places to experience, to get to new places, to experience victories, to see God do amazing things in and through us. A lot of those things happen, the blessing of God happens when we begin to surround ourselves with the right people. We need to surround ourselves with people who've been there, done that, experienced that, so that when I get into a a place, maybe I don't know the next decision, I don't know the next path, I don't know the next step, If I'm not surrounded with people who love, honor, respect, and care for me, then maybe I get discouraged. Maybe I fall back. Maybe I decide to give up. Right? And I've said week one, the most important relationship in your life is your relationship with who? God, right? Through Jesus Christ. He's the most important relationship that you need on a daily basis. But, hey, just as God wants us in real, connected relationship with him, he wants us in real connection, relationship with others. And not just others, brothers and sisters in Christ. People who are going to tell me truth, even when it hurts. People who are going to love and respect me. People who are going to pray for me. God wants his people in covenant. You know, we serve a God of covenant. Covenant is a fancy word for a relationship that you cannot break. God wants us in real covenant with others. Y'all, we need relationships. And if we want friends, this is for somebody. We got to be friendly. (laughs) Do you know that? (laughs) If you want to be surrounded by good, healthy relationships, you got to be friendly. And, hey, who's our standard? Jesus Christ himself, right? He is love. We're going to talk about that today. So if he's our standard, I need to be walking, talking, ministering in love as I'm trying to grow good, healthy relationships. Let's look at that first recap point. We said this in week one. Go ahead and get started. It says, the quality of your life will be greatly determined by the quality of your relationships. Every relationship in your life is either an asset or a liability. If relationships rule, then what are the rules for relationships? Relationships can either make us or break us. If you say, okay, Pastor Ian, if the company that I keep has has power to either catapult me, keep me stuck, or make me worse, then what are the rules? And we're going to talk about the rules, what God says for us. Right? What, are, what are the rules? Because if I'm in bad relationships, y'all, I've had some toxic relationships. Anybody ever been in a toxic relationship? That toxic relationship can begin to, to not just stifle your growth. They can begin to, to kill you. And so we need, we don't want, if you're in a toxic relationship, what happens is when you're in a bad relationship, you begin to, to make that person your God. Right? Because you're trying to f- satisfy. You are trying to meet their standards. You are trying. What you've done is you've made that person your God. 
And so the relationship, what happens? It begins to rule you. That relationship rules your path. It rules your emotions. It rules your joy. It rules everything in your life. And it's because they're not supposed to be. You're supposed to put God number one. And all the relationships in my life, even your marriage, is supposed to add on to you what God is already doing. Do you see that? And so if I don't want my relationships to rule me, I don't want them to dictate my emotions, my decisions, then i got to put God number one, and I need some good directions from the Word of God to set healthy boundaries, healthy rules as I'm growing, making new relationships, cultivating relationships that are already there. Maybe God says, you know what, this relationship is no good. You might have to cut this thing off for good or for a while until God says. So I want to ask you a question. What types of people are you currently surrounded by? Are they positive people? Do they encourage you when you're around them? Do you get excited about the same things? Is it always a joy to be around them? Do they walk in the joy and the peace of God? Anybody ever been around somebody who just walks in the joy and the peace of God? And when you're around them, you just, you can feel that joy and that. It's a good thing, ain't it? Those are the type of people I want to be around. Right? So what types of people are you surrounded by? Let's look at Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. This has been our foundational scripture for this whole message. And it's not really a, a, a piece of scripture that you would think of when you think of relationships. Paul is actually talking about building his church. The church after Christ has already risen. But I love how he finishes this up, and that's what we've been using in that last verse in 16. But we'll go ahead and read it again today. And in verse 11, it says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we've all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete. Somebody say complete. Man, I want to be completed in Christ. I want to be completed in Christ, right? The full and complete standard of Christ, he says. Verse 14, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every more way like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Look at that next point. So what we have done the last three weeks is we have been talking about relationships and using this scripture, verse 16, it says that, The whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. And so that's the command for his church. You know, the church is not just a building. It's a people, right? He calls his people to be healthy, growing, and full of love. If he calls his people to be healthy, growing, and full of love, that is also what he calls our relationships to be. That's our relationship rule. That's our relationship standard, right? Are the relationships that I am, are they healthy? Are they growing? And are they full of love? So we said that, that next recap point, healthy, growing, and full of love are the results of a life-giving church, and they're also the rules for life-giving relationships. When we measure our relationships by these standards, 
we are able to discern what every relationship requires to be life-giving. So we have done that. First week we talked, we dissected what healthy means. What does a healthy relationship look like, right? Because that word healthy is kind of a broad term, right? We, we, we need to narrow it down to three things in the Word of God. We got, we got to honor each other. We need to be able to be authentic. We don't wear masks around each other. I can be the real me that God created me to be in that relationship. And we honor one another. Rooted and founded in truth. Right? Last week, we talked about what does it mean to be growing. A healthy relationship is a growing relationship. Are the people that you're in relationship with, do they love God? Are they following God? Do they respect your faith? And are they going with you? We said growers are goers. If you are moving forward in the kingdom of God, those folks will go with you. If they stay stuck in their sins, stuck in their past, that may be a relationship that you can't, you can't walk in the Lord with because the Bible teaches us to be evenly yoked. Right? We need to be going in the same direction at somewhat the same pace. We're all running at different paces. We're all at different stages of the game. But we need to be growing. So is your relationship healthy and growing? We, we, we did the first two weeks without even talking about love. I promised you we will talk about love. A relationship needs love, right? Somebody say love. So we dedicated all of today just talking about that, just about love, right? And before we get into it, I just want to say God's greatest gift to the world was what? Love, right? Through his son Jesus, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. And so if that's the greatest gift, y'all, for you and for me, the greatest gift that daily I can give to the world is what? That same love. It's got to be reciprocal. And that's how God works in and through us. It's how he uses us. It's how he blesses the world around us, how he blesses people through us. And so that has to be the same thing in our lives. It has to be in the forefront of our mind as people are cutting you off in traffic on your way to work, as people are offending you while you're walking through Walmart, as people are saying good things or bad things, love, God's love has to be in the forefront of our minds. His love has to saturate our lives, has to saturate our families, has to saturate our ministries. And how do I keep his love in the forefront of my mind other than a daily relationship with him, I have to be in his word every single day to be reminded how much he loves me. And when I'm reminded how much he loves me, guess what naturally happens? I love others. I respect others. Because God loves me, he loves everyone else. Right? So look at that first point. I'm excited to get into this today. And so what is love? Man, that is a broad term. You thought health was a broad term. Love has been perverted. That word love and what it really means has been perverted by the enemy, by the world, by Hollywood, by music industry, by Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. You fill in the blank. That word love has been twisted, turned upside down. And so we want to talk about what God says love is, okay? It's a, we said Love is more, somebody say more, more than a feeling. Love is the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the life of a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. 
Without the Holy Spirit, it is impossible for a person to love. That point says love is more than a feeling. Love is a feeling. Hey, and I love to feel good in the presence of God. Man, I was feeling it up here this morning in the middle of worship. The Spirit of God, the love, I could feel it. You know what, but sometimes on Wednesday at like 1.30 in the afternoon, I don't feel the love of God. But does it change the fact that God loves me? No. Right? We have to, by faith, choose ahead of time to decide to love God no matter what. No matter what problem, test, trial I'm facing, I'm going to, by faith, choose to love God because He loved me. God's love is not the same as the love of the world. The world says, hey, if that person can't satisfy you anymore, if that person is just getting on your nerves all the time, you don't have to love that person. You love that person only if fill in the blank. God's love is not the same. It's better. Somebody say better. God's love for us does not change. Any married folks in the house? Look at all those hands, man. Keep those hands up if you're still happily married. Oh, they all go up. Some of us have been married five years, 10 years, 15 years, 30 years. Lord bless them in Jesus' name. If you've been married for any amount of time, you know that there are days when your spouse is not being lovable. I got a couple amens on there. Right? But if you're committed to that person, if you are, if you are living a godly marriage, are you going to let that end your marriage? Some of you have been through some stuff. And praise God, you're still standing. And you know what's so cool? God is the same way with us. When you by faith say yes to Jesus, you get born again and saved. You, you may be in the pigsty like I was. No hope, no nothing. I, I went to God when I didn't have any other options. <laughs> he was my last option. And he still saved me. He still accepted me. He still forgave me. Hallelujah, that's some good news. But here's the thing. Ian, if you look at my life, it's, it's, it's kind of like a roller coaster at times. I feel like I'm doing really good. Some days I'm not doing so good spiritually. Some days I'm emotionally doing good. Some days I'm emotionally not doing so good. But guess what? When I said yes to Jesus, his love, his commitment, his dedication, his devotion to me never falters. It never changes. Even though I do, and I should be growing His love stays the same. As we're building relationships, these are the types of people that we want to invite into our lives. Somebody that's going to love me (laughs) on this life, this roller coaster life. Somebody that can not judge me when I lose my cool. Right? We all lose our cool sometimes. The people that love us the most get to see the real, somebody say real real sides of us, and people that are going to love us even in the midst of maybe our worst day, right? So look at that next point. 
Galatians 5.22-23. Love is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's actually the first one mentioned in verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Y'all say it with me. Is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So as we're trying to make friends, as we're trying to go to new heights, new, new seasons in life, attain new victories, you say, Pastor Ian, it's important that I surround myself with the right people. I'm telling you the rule of thumb, a relationship rule is, you have to identify these types of fruit in other people's lives. This is how we judge the content of the character of those around us. See, the world, they think fruit is gifts. They think fruit is being able to entertain people. They think fruit is, are you a likable person? These, these are not fruits. Those are gifts. Those are attributes. The gifts of the Holy Spirit from God, as we're supposed to build and foundation relationships on, are these things. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If somebody ex- exemplifies these things, I'd draw them close if I was you. I would draw them close to my life. These are the fruits that we're looking for in the relationships that we have and that we're trying to make with God's help. Right? Look at the next point. And love is so key, it's so vital, it's so important for us because love, God's love, is the spiritual glue. It's the glue that connects us and keeps us in a healthy, life-giving way. God's love is the glue. It's that thing that connects us, that unifies us, that binds us. Love, when done in God's way, you can get through anything with that person, with those people, if they're doing love the same way, God's way. Look at Colossians 3.14. I love this. It says, above all, clothe yourselves with love. Clothe yourselves with love, which binds us. There it is, all together in perfect harmony. We should, and I say should, (laughs) connect and unify based on the love that we walk in, talk in, minister in. That's that love that should glue, glue us together, bind us together, make us inseparable because we all believe the same truth. We all, we're, we're all growing in the same standard, the word of God, the truth of who Jesus is, and that love is what connects us, binds us together, and unifies us. So look at that next point. So what does it mean for a relationship to be full of love? Going back to 1 Corinthians. We talked about healthy. We talked about growing. So today we're going to talk about full of love. And what we're going to do is we're really going to use this next scripture. We're going to go back into 1 Corinthians. And uh, chapter 13, 4 through 8, we're going to use this scripture. This is uh, a scripture you hear and see a lot at weddings. And so we are going to use this for today's purpose of what it means to be uh, walking, living, and full of love, according to what the Word of God says. So verse 4 says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. 
is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. I love this in verse 8. It says, prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Think about that. All the gifts the world has to give you, all the gifts even God has to give you. Whatever your gift is, if it's, if it's leading worship, if it's, if it's preaching, if it's teaching, if, if you can't prophesy, if you can't have visions from the God, it says it's all going to be useless because love is the only thing that's going to matter. Love is the only thing that's going to last. It's going to stand forever, it says. Skip to verse 13. I love this. It says, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. There it is, faith, hope, and love. Those three things are never going to pass away. It says, and the greatest of these is love. Because I believe the greatest is love is because that was Jesus' greatest attribute, was the love that he had, the love that he walked in, the love that he ministered in, the love that compelled him to the cross for us, for the world. The greatest is love, it says. Our love for God and our love for people must last forever. Let me say that again. If he says love is the greatest and it's going to last forever, as we're cultivating relationships, my love for God and my love for people must last forever until he calls me home. And then when he calls me home, we're going to be rejoicing to the king of kings with who? Other people, other souls, other believers, other Christians, other, other brothers and sisters in Christ, all rejoicing God with other people. So we can never give up, never give up on people. There's a lot of us in here that say, Pastor Ian, I hear you. I, I'll never give up on Jesus, but people, mm, I've been burned by some people. Some people that love me the most burn me the hardest. But do you know, according to God's word, we're actually, if we can't love the people that we can see, how can we love a God that we can't see? And so if I'm not loving those around me, but I say I still love Jesus, you're in sin. God says we must forgive others before we come and bring our gifts to the altar. We must be made right with our brother. We must be made right with our sister. If there's an offense, if there's an issue, that is keeping me from entering into the full love, standard, forgiveness, mercy from God. He says get right with the brothers and sisters that you can see before you get right with the your God that you can't see. So we need to be in, in, in a loving relationship with those around us. Look at the next point. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to use 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, and we're just going to give you all some points on what a love, being filled with love means and what it looks like. So a life-giving relationship that's filled with love is patient and kind. God's love empowers us to overcome selfishness and to consider the other person's needs. Point blank, living in God's love is patient and kind, and so that means it is others-focused, it is others-centered. When I'm focused 
on loving others, when I'm focused on helping others, you know what it does? It takes your focus and, and, and your energy off the, the things that you're going through. Anybody serve through the church? Look at all those hands. Y'all keep serving. What happens when you serve? You're not thinking about the stuff you're going I'm not saying we're perfect. We're all going through stuff. All your leaders are going through stuff. Your pastor's going through stuff. But you know what I've learned? When I love others, when I serve others, it doesn't become about me. It becomes about God. And his love is manifested. And guess what? The other the junk, the stuff, it begins to fix itself. God fixes it. And so we got to be focused and centered on others. Kingdom-minded kingdom folks are seekers. God said, seek first the kingdom, and everything else will be added to you. So we have to be on, on purpose, seeking people. How can I love this person? How do I love the people that are already around me? God, help me. What relationships do you want us to go to the next level? What relationships do you want me to start studying the word of God with? What relationships do you want me to begin to invite people to church? What relationships, God, do you want me to invite to small group? What relationships do you want me to begin to invite people to, to celebrate recovery? Maybe somebody I work with struggling with addiction. God says, you know what, invite that person to celebrate recovery. Who knows what God wants to do? It all hinges on our faith and our obedience. And if we can love people where they are. Because we can love them where they're at, God can take them to new places. Not judge them where they're at. they got like, enough judgment. Love them where they're at. And God can do the rest. Pray for them. Love them where they're at. Pray for them. And God can do the rest. So look at that next point. So that's the first rule. Patient and kindness. The next one. We've already read it, but a life-giving relationship that's filled with love is not jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. A life-giving relationship that's filled with love is not jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. As I was reading that this week, I just want to reinforce and affirm that jealousy is not a good look. When you live in jealousy, it rots your bones. It rots your spirit. I've been there. Being jealous of somebody else, they're living scot-free, rent-free in your mind. And that is not the love of God. It says that God, he is a jealous God and wants no other gods but him. But he, he has a righteousness. We're not God. When I'm jealous of somebody, it's because I'm jealous of the good things that are happening in their life. God wants us to be able to celebrate when other people's experience victory. Right? And jealousy is a scheme, is, is a tactic that Satan uses to kill you, to steal from you, to destroy from you. Not only are you jealous of your brother, you're not going to be in unity with them. You're not going to be connected to them because you're probably going to deep down inside hate them. So you're not praying for them. You're not loving them. You're actually maybe wishing ill against them. And God, it's, it, it's, it's, there's a book by John Brevere. He's a pastor. Anybody heard of John Brevere? Nobody? Y'all need to Google his name. And you go, Miss Gina, of course, Miss Gina. 
Google his name when you get out of church today. John Bevere, the book's called Bait of Satan, one of the best books I ever read. It's a bait of Satan. You know what? Jealousy. Think, think of, think of uh, Cain and Abel. Actual brothers. They're supposed to be in loving relationship, connected, doing brotherly things. What happened? Abel brought a better gift. He brought the first. Cain was jealous because he saw God's favor on his brother. What did he do? Do I remember? He stinking killed his brother. That's messed up. Tell your neighbor, that's messed up. Jealousy can drive you to do some crazy things. Y'all remember David and Saul? That was a, a relationship God wanted to use. I believe, I believe Saul was, was a called, a, anointed, appointed uh, king, first king of Israel for a reason. He wa- God wanted to use David to, to help him, but David couldn't see past the jealousy. When they began to sing songs about David and not sing songs about Saul. Now, what did Saul try to do? He tried to kill David. Think about the Pharisees and Sadducees. What did jealousy do to them? It drove them to crucify our king. But Jesus said, I lay my life down. I choose. But their jealousy is what is going to keep them out of heaven. They missed it. They missed the Messiah because of their jealousy. What relationships is God wanting to do amazing things in because we're prideful, we're rude, or because we're jealous of somebody else's whatever, gift, talent, whatever it is. We can get jealous over the the stupidest things. Love that person. Celebrate that person. Lift that person up. Congratulate that person. Man, that might be your best friend. You don't even know it. I remember one of my best friends growing up was a kid that I hated the most. Yeah, your pastor said hated. This was long before I got saved, got born again, became a pastor. We were enemies. And then before we knew it, we, st- we got into a fight, started talking about it. Then we became best friends. So crazy. Has anybody ever experienced that? Nobody? One person? You know, I can't help but think of uh, Paul, who was formerly Saul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He hated Christians. He hated Christ. And God changed his heart because of the love of God so much that he began to, he became one. He became what he hated, what he despised, all because of the love of God. Amen, it matters. Look at the next point. A life-giving relationship that's filled with love does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and keeps no record of wrongs. Where's all those folks that were married? Can y'all raise your hands again? Look at all those hands. Y'all, some of y'all need to throw away the scorecard. If you are keeping score, you are living in sin. Go ahead and look at your spouse and be like, see, I told you. Keeps no record of wrongs. Why do we do this? I think it's because we like to be right. I'm right, they're wrong. I know better, they don't. You know who knows it all? Jesus. And guess what? I'm thankful that he throws my sins as far away as from the east, 
from the West. You know what? We're still praying about things God's already forgiven us about. Sometimes you have to alter praying about something that happened 10 years ago. God's like, I don't even remember. Get up. You're blessed. You're forgiven and go. We remember more things than God does. I wonder how many I wonder imaginary battles we're in the middle of. How imaginary battles we're at with our spouse. They offended me two weeks ago. They offended me two months ago. I'm still fighting this battle. I'm not loving them because they disrespected me. I'm disrespecting them because they ain't loving me. Throw away the scorecard. Love keeps no record of wrongs. It does not demand its own way. It bows. It submits to the other person's needs. Lord, show it to me like this. Our grace must be greater than the desire for validation. God's grace must be greater than the validation that I seek. Grace, grace, grace. Not validation, grace, grace, grace. See, women, they want to be loved. They want to know that they're loved. You need to tell them, men, that they're loved. Even when they're being unlovable, tell them that you love them. Don't just tell them, show them. Women, your man desires to be respected. So respect him no matter what as the head of your home. And guess what? If you respect him, he'll probably love you. And men, if you love them, they will probably respect you. Do you see how it works together? Love and respect. And we are to do that in all relationships. Everybody wants love. Everybody wants respect. And we need to throw away the scorecards. The next point. Still, still using this from out of 1 Corinthians there. A life-giving relationship that's filled with love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when truth wins out. When truth, tr- real love rejoices when truth wins. Love and truth are connected at the hip. Love and truth are married. Love and truth are joined together. You can't truly love the way God calls us to unless you're living in truth, demonstrating truth in your life, being totally truthful with your spouse, with your best friend, with whatever relationship. That's not real love if you're living a lie, right? If you're putting on a show, acting like you're somebody else, or whatever. Truth and love go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. That next one, we're rolling through. I'm trying to get y'all to lunch. I know y'all getting hungry. Some of y'all checking your watch. It says, a life-giving relationship that's filled with love never gives up. It never loses faith is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. As I read that, that comes right out of 1 Corinthians. It says, it never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Y'all, that is Jesus. That epitomizes who Jesus is. He never gave up on me. He never gives up on you. It endures. It's always filled with faith. It's always filled with hope. Right? So love never quits. Love never quits no matter how bad you've been hurt. Love never quits no matter how wrong somebody did you. Love has to triumph 
At the end of the day, it has to come to the top. It has to surface. It has to triumph for God to win in your life, for God to win in the other person's life. Love never quits. Just as Jesus never quit on us, we cannot quit on others. And if you're trying to surround yourself with the right people, find somebody who's never going to give up on you. Find somebody that will never give up on you. That's real love. That relationship can really go places. When someone's seen you in your worst, helped you through, prayed for you, because that type of love takes us farther, allows for greater things to happen in our life. Our love for one, for one another must be greater than any problem, fence, challenge, or circumstance. It says that the faith is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. You have to decide. You have to pre-decide that I'm going to stand and live in love no matter what happens, and God wins. The last point for today, and we're going to wrap this sermon series up. So the last three weeks, we've said a life-giving relationship is what? Healthy, is growing. And I promised you we talked about love. We did it today. It's full of love. That's our relationship's rule. That's your standard as you begin to look at your life. Does this relationship, is it healthy? Is it growing? Are they going with me? Or are they, are they keeping me trapped and locked in my past? Or are they going forward with me? Are we moving forward? We're growing. And is it full of love? Is there love? Is there respect? Is there patience? Is there kindness? Is there goodness? Is there long-suffering together? Here's the thing I want to leave you with. You are capable and worthy. Somebody say worthy. Of life-giving relationships. Tell your neighbor for God and say, hey, you're worthy. You're worthy. You are. And hey, you're capable. You're capable and you're worthy for God's best in your life. Some of us got to change some things. If we want to have friends, we got to be friendly. Put a smile on your face, right? Smile does of wonders. Some of y'all just need to smile more. Just smile like that, yeah. Makes you feel good. You know what? They say, uh, and scientifically, it takes more muscles in your face to frown than it does to smile. It's harder for you to have a frown physically. You're exerting more energy, more effort, throwing a temper tantrum than it would for you just to go like this and say, you know what? Jesus loves you. And because Jesus loves you, I'm going to love you. Doesn't that make you feel good? God's good, guys. He's good. He loves you. I love you. Anybody glad you came to church today? A couple of you. Praise God. Well, I hope we wrapped it up good for you today. I want to go ahead and close us in prayer as we get ready before we dismiss. So, Father God, Lord, I thank you for all these folks. Forever family members of Liberty Church. I see faces and, and people that I love, care about. I see things that you're doing in and, their, in and through their lives. It's an honor and a joy to be connected and covenant with them. God, I pray you would enlarge our circles, enlarge our influence as we keep going on through this new year so that we could have more opportunities to spread the gospel, more opportunities to love others into the kingdom of God and be released into our full anointing, giftings and talents that you have for us. So I pray that would happen. I pray that just as you sifted the wheat, 
God, we would sift our relationships. Purify our hearts, oh God, and purify our relationships. Surround us with people that are not just going to grow with us, but that are going to go with us, God. People that will run with us as we do amazing things for your kingdom. Praise in Jesus' name. Last thing I want to do is, if you're born again, if you're a believer, you believe and trust your life in Jesus right now, I want you to pray for the lost, please. If you are already born again, I want you to pray for the lost. We all know somebody that's lost. But if you're here in our sanctuary today or you're watching us online, wherever you are, and Jesus Christ is not your Savior. You're not in covenant with Him. You're not in relationship with Him every day. You don't talk to Him. You don't pray to Him. You're not in relationship. If you're not in relationship with Jesus, you are a sinner dying in your sins. And there's a place, a real place called Lake of Fire. I do not want you to spend your eternity there. I want you to be adopted into the kingdom of God today. So if you say, Pastor Ian, I want to make a decision today. I want to pre-decide that I'm going to follow Jesus today. Yesterday can worry about itself. Tomorrow can worry about itself. But today, I want to follow Jesus. If you want to make that decision right now, I want to ask you to do something. No one's watching you. No one's looking at you. But what I want you to do, so I know you received that message from God, so I want you to stand up. Just simply, physically, right now, stand up in the sanctuary. Or if you're watching online, put something in the chat. Say, I'm making that decision. I want to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. If you want to do that today, change your life forever. Give you a few seconds to make that decision. We will celebrate with you today. Heaven will celebrate. Amen. Amen. Praise God. No one is physically standing. Somebody could be making this decision online. So what I want to do is lead us all in a prayer. I want you to repeat after me. Let's say it loud and proud today because we have a lot to be excited about. We have a lot to celebrate for. We have a lot of miracles in this house. So let's say this loud and proud today. So Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We accept your Son. We believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. We confess right now that he's Lord of my life. God, forgive me of my past, redeem my future, Holy Spirit, come and lead my life every day till you call me home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So good, so good. Well, praise God. We love you guys. Okay, Y'all are dismissed. Y'all invite somebody to church next week. Y'all have a good week.